0: Today in the Christian tradition marks the first day of Advent, and Advent simply means the coming or the arrival, and usually there's an Advent wreath in many Christian churches, and there's five candles within that wreath, four around the corner or the sides of the circle, and one right in the middle, which is supposed to be the Christ candle, and the four candles that are lit each week leading up to Christmas, consists of hope, love, peace, and joy. So today, I thought it might be a good way to bring in the topic of joy, and not just any way of talking about joy, but seeing joy as a spiritual practice that we actually have to cultivate ourselves. Now some of you may be wondering out there, what do you mean by spiritual practice that just sounds so daunting or you know you're probably just talking about some woo-hoo thing out there right we're Unitarian Universalists. we don't engage in spiritual practices, what does that even mean so. I um, a few years ago I took a workshop with the Reverend Kathleen mcteague who was the executive director for the uu college of social justice. And she says that what if we were to view the work that we do around changing and transforming our world through social justice actions as a spiritual practice because she was finding that if we don't if we don't have a deep well of practice that we draw from after each election for example there's so much despair and hopelessness out there that what really gets people through whenever we lose a certain battle that we've been fighting for example is going back to spiritual practice and she came up with what she called the three shuns now that's t-i-o-n-s and i'd like to add two more to that because over the years as i've explained this to people during workshops and everything i was like yeah you know what we ought to add that other shun and that fifth shun so today i have five shuns that i was going to share that i'm going to share with you the first one of what a spiritual practice consists of is, Melanie, if we could put that up on the screen, please. Is attention, which I'm sure will pop up any minute now. And attention means that when we're doing something, we need to actually be paying attention to perhaps what's around us or what it is that we're actually doing. So for example, for me, running is a spiritual practice. So I try to run every other day. I have this nice little route around Central Park, right? I live by the pool, as they call it. And I try to pay attention to not just my breathing, but also to the bird watchers, perhaps, that are there trying to take pictures or look through their binoculars for the migrating birds, right? And I try to pay attention to the changing colors of the leaves and how they fall on the ground, and even the leaf blower guy who comes around every day to blow these leaves away. So I try to pick up on my senses what am i seeing what am i hearing what am i encountering at that point in time so that's part of what makes it a spiritual practice is that i actually pay attention to whatever it is that i'm doing the second part the second shun is intention so right before the service today the worship leaders actually huddled and we named our intention So what are we actually here to do? Someone named provide comfort, inspire, be present. Those are all great intentions to bring into our practice so that we're not just doing it for the sake of doing it, but rather there is an intention behind it, because what we pay attention to and what we um, give our intention to grows. And it's not a spiritual practice unless we actually do it regularly, right? So repetition is definitely an important component of a spiritual practice. So coming to a service, for example, it's not a spiritual practice if you only do it on Christmas and Easter and Pride Sunday and Homecoming Sunday, right? That's only four times a year that we see you. And so a spiritual practice means that repetition of coming Sunday after Sunday is what makes it a vital and um and 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 it's what makes your spiritual practice come alive so the next part so you know as as i was thinking about all my various um, spiritual practices the one that gets to me is meditation if i do it by myself in my room then it's not as effective for me because i'm not as disciplined and my mind tends to wander places. But when we do it together, for example, in a sangha, in a community, there's something that helps push me along in that practice. So during, I'll give you a hint, during the joys and sorrows part, when we do that moment of silence, that's as much for me as it is for you. It helps me get grounded and get centered knowing that there are others doing it along with me right so the fourth shun is congregation right so that we're all in this together and we're all practicing together that definitely helps motivate me further in my practice and the last shun that i want to mention this morning before i hand the mic over to deb here is is integration so there ought to be a moment when we don't make our spiritual practice a, a, a segmented or a um, a different part of our lives but rather it gets integrated into everything that we do so these are the five um shuns that i want to talk about before handing it over to deb because i thought rather than just me talking about it why don't we actually practice these spiritual practices and so i was talking to deb and 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 figuring out well you know Deb, what are your spiritual practices to practices to cultivate joy in your life and she named a bunch and i was like deb we don't have time for that you know we're gonna be here all afternoon and we do have a potluck to get to so i had her narrow it down to three and be, be you know be mindful that again this is a participatory thing so this is what's going to make these practices come to life is if you join in so deb would you like to share with us your three spiritual practices thank
1: you so much of what reverend Jennifer said really applies to me too i am definitely not one of those people who can sit and ohm and be quiet for half and for five minutes um, so everything all of my i call them my morning meds and i came up with that um actually during the pandemic when i had to condense all the little things that i did throughout the day into because we couldn't go out and so i condensed them in the morning and i used to spread them out throughout the day so that it would i work at home i have my own business spirited living i do all kinds of fun stuff and and including being an interfaith minister and and i i wanted to be able to and i thought oh i could i can't just sit and do you know all these literally you know six or seven two or three minute things spread out through day i'm going to do them first thing in the morning and now i'm addicted to it and when i was doing shorthand i wrote them down as okay these are my morning meds these are my morning meditations And then i thought meds like medication this is also therapeutic for me so i call these my morning meds and and i realized that they're all embodied and that's one of the reasons that keeps me really fully present when i'm doing them so that my mind isn't going out there so one of the things being fully embodied means is activating all your senses so i have a little joy mist that i made up anybody who's been in the women's circles that i did here for 27 years, (laughs) knows that our sense of smell is the most evocative of all of the senses because it's directly connected to the limbic system, which is the seat of our memory and our emotions. So I start with this in the morning. And then I'm going to lead you through these three. And they are all, by the way, they'll come up in the chat on Zoom if you want to find out more about them. Um, they'll Also, if you go to my YouTube channel, you just go to YouTube and go to Deborah Roth, um, I've been doing, again, pandemic was pretty awful in many ways, but not so bad in other ways. I started doing a whole bunch of things, including almost a weekly, um, uh, just very short, you know, anywhere from 10 to 14 minutes or something. Uh, my YouTube channel kind of revived it after 10 years. So if you Google or if you go to YouTube and put in any one of these things, you will find them there. So the first one I'm gonna share with you is something called kirtan kriya. We won't go through the whole thing. This is my longest one. I actually did it in the, in the little chapel uh, before we started this morning. Kirtan, if anybody, anybody, yoga people, have you ever done a kirtan? Yay, yay. <laughs> um, in a yoga studio, kirtan is chanting, kriya is movement. And this, so this kirtan kriya has actually been, I don't know, approved, promoted by the Alzheimer's Association. Because it's it's well for all kinds of obvious reasons what it does for your brain, and it's it's doing your fingers like this so it's thumb to index finger, then thumb to middle, thumb to ring, thumb here, and then you and I'm, as you do it for in the ratio of one out loud, and I'm going to sing the words for you in a minute, one whisper, and then two. Uh, in your head, but continuing to do this and continuing to do the chant in your head, and then you come back out of it, one whisper, one do it. I'll take you through the one one. The chant is sat-sa-ta-na-ma, and that, though, that means birth, life, death, and rebirth. Everything you hit there from an acupressure, acupressure standpoint triggers something. When you say these syllables in your mouth, it triggers something else. So that's why Alzheimer's Association thinks it's so cool. So I'm gonna very quickly, we're not gonna do the ratios. I do it like two minutes, two minutes, four minutes, two minutes, two minutes. We're not gonna do that. That would be 12 minutes, too long. So it's Sa ta na Sa na, and then you keep going into the satanama, and then you do the silent for whatever period of time in that ratio so that's one of the first things that i do and i love that because i love to sing and it's got the movement component the second one or <laughs> of the many that i do is something so these these videos that i've done um, each week for gosh three years now um, I call them my inner goddess team videos, and they, they focus mostly on goddesses or from around the world or else famous women in history. And Julian of Norwich, Google her, look her up if you've never heard of her or don't know much about her. She was this, can I say, bad, uh, really amazing, <laughs> bad A <laughs> woman in the middle ages who traveled around the countryside and preached about her visions that she had uh, with the divine. And for a woman to do that, first of all, was extraordinary. She had a whole entourage of men that, that you know, took her around. And she created something called body prayer, which again was totally not, you know, back then, body, bodies were evil and dirty and you had to really, you know, stay away from your bodies. But she said, no, we access the divine through our bodies. So every morning, I pick a card. There's another cool one to, I don't know if this is anywhere, but. This is a mandala that, uh, and I've got a whole deck of them, that um, a really cool artist in Vermont created. She creates mandalas, but with, you know, flower petals and needles and, you know, like, like the Tibetan sand uh, mandalas, if you've ever seen them, that they, you know, they, they then stamp over to remind you that everything is, is impermanent. So the one I pulled this morning as a for instance is, is generosity. And then I usually add on, I look to my day, so I'm inviting you to do that now, and then I'm gonna take you through it. This is about a, a minute one. Think, look at the rest of your day and think about what's going on, what you need to do, whether it's rest or whether it's socializing, and what qualities do you need to, to embody, to take in in order to handle the rest of your day. So think about that. And the hand movements, here we are again. So this is from Julian of Norwich, are await, allow, accept, attend. So the await is waiting for divine, waiting for your higher self. Allow, allowing these qualities, allowing this prayer to enter into you. uh, Accept, take it into your being and then attend is as you attend to other people today as you serve other people as you connect in congregation with other people and the way the verbiage that i use when i do it and i'll pause so you can plug in your own words let's see if i can do it sitting here in front of a bunch of people uh i await the gifts of generosity joyful connection and fill in the blanks whatever yours is I allow these gifts to flow into my being on every level and accept them into my mind, my body, my heart, my spirit. And then, as I attend to others this day, I share these gifts with all. So it's just await, allow, accept, attend. And I do that a couple times. I don't repeat the words, but I do that a couple times. So that's my second biggie. The third one is the most recent one that I had really, when Jennifer and I had our our first kind of connection with each other and talking about our spiritual practices back at the end of September, I had just been introduced to this wonderful movement, really called the Chair of Joy. And again, go to my YouTube channel and just <laughs> stick in there. Search for Chair of Joy. Um, and when I heard, and I so I'll I'll, I'll preempt any. You know, we're talking about joy today. So hopefully none of you had the first reaction that I had when a very dear friend said, Oh, Deb, you've got to get involved with the chair of joy, this, this movement, this very cool thing. And my first response, which is very uncharacteristic for me, was really, you, you, you want me to jump on the joy bandwagon with Deepak and, and Oprah and I am not by nature a cynical person or a pessimistic person. So I've been unpacking why I responded that way and now i'm much more much more uh easily waving my joy flag because it is something that i've had a relationship with my whole life from the time i was a teenager when some supposed friend told me that i was difficult to be around because i was always so cheerful i think he later had problems with depression so it's been a through line and we were talking about the difference between joy and happiness earlier so the Chair of Joy, I'm not going to give you a whole lot of context, just to tell you that I've now done this in the last couple months in so many different settings, from in very depressed cities, at a, a housing authority with everyone from big burly uh, maintenance guys to social workers coming in, you know, with individuals, with friends, with, did it over Thanksgiving dinner, and it was whew, what, what came out. So the four components of the Chair of Joy are sit, Breathe, think and feel. Really simple, right? So simple that, again, I feel like I still kind of roll my eyes whenever I say, out, oh, "Really? This is so profound?" And it is. <laughs> so I invite you to close your eyes and just be comfortable wherever you are. And as we settle into this beautiful space, this sacred space that we share together, I invite you first to imagine to call up in your mind's eye a favorite chair in your life could be the one you're sitting in might be one that you sat in this morning might be a childhood chair in your living room or one that you rocked your children in but let a singular chair and there may be many of them but let just one bubble up and feel yourself viscerally in that chair what is it that makes it special what's around you just feel yourself sitting there transporting if it's not where you're sitting right now but transporting yourself and your heart and your mind's eye into that space and then from that very special chair let's just breathe together and training ourselves in this Essence of congregation, one of the shuns. Inhaling and exhaling. Inhaling, feeling yourself embodied in that special chair and exhaling. Inhaling a third time and exhaling. And now, as you continue to breathe, I invite you now to allow a moment a memory of joy, a specific moment of joy to bubble up that may very likely not necessarily be connected to that chair, but it could be. But just see what comes up. Again, so many moments of joy in our lives. Let one coalesce and bring it into your consciousness, bring it into your being. And as you sit in that space, as you sit in that memory, Really think of the the feelings, the emotions that accompanied that moment. Might be gratitude, that's a common one. Might be awe or wonder. Might be a sense of poignancy, if it's something that was painful, but that turned into something so exquisitely joyful. But really focus on that moment you were with or were you by yourself were you in nature often a place for moments of joy what do you see what do you smell but really once again in this space in this moment of joy recreate it in every part of your body feel yourself fill up with the joy that you felt in that moment and all the feelings associated with it literally from the tips of your toes up through your ankles and your knees and your hips to your heart your shoulders down and up your arms up to the top of your head feel yourself so completely infused with joy with all those wonderful feelings associated with that joyful moment and then just place your hands on your chest and anchor that moment there where so many reside and where you can always very intentionally bring up more to store there whenever you need it and then spread your arms out spread your hands out so that we can send in that attend part of Julian's prayers we can send this essence of joy out to the world, and our families, to people that we know need it right now, to the parts of the world that need it so desperately. And then come back, hands on your heart. Bring yourself back first to that chair that you conjured up. And feel gratitude that you have such sacred space that you can just pull up whenever you want, a sacred chair and let that go. And then feel yourself return here into our sacred space with one another, with your feet on the ground, sitting in the chairs in this beloved community. And when you're ready, just take a deep breath, and open your eyes. And now I'm going to ask you usually in twos but you know it depends on how it all comes together to just take a moment and to share we'll give you i don't know maybe two minutes or something um share either your chair and or your memory either or both with a partner but speak it out loud and if we have time you can share one or two i don't know that we'll have time when we come back but Okay. How was that? Were there any surprises? <laughs> we had tears all over our Thanksgiving table. It really surprised me. Um, I guess it shouldn't because I've seen that come up a lot. So thank you. Uh, any of these, you know, experiment with them. Um, if you have questions for me, just talk to me afterwards. But have a joyful, joyful day, whatever it is that you're doing. Namaste.
0: Thank you, Deb. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> and again, these practices are like drops of water. So even though it's five minutes a day, eventually they all kind of add up in what I call the deep wellspring of joy within you, right? So that when you need access to it, it's readily available for you rather than Um, being reactive to situations that may be beyond your control. You're being proactive by using preventative medication, right? So through your daily meds, you're able to build up a sense of resilience because let's face it, we live in a world currently where there are so many things that threaten to take our joy away from us. Can I get an amen to that? Unless you've been living in a bubble and you don't know what's going on in the world, you probably realize that there's all these external circumstances out there. And for me, that's the difference between joy and happiness, is that happiness for me is more tied into external circumstances. So when Ember said, you know, she's happy that she caught the bus or the train this morning, or um, you'll see this in Getting the Message, but she talks about the jo- the happiness that she experiences whenever she gets a paycheck, for example, right? I mean, I bet all of us are happy when we get a paycheck, um, but those are external circumstances. So joy for me is an inside job, and joy for me hap- takes place whenever I make that intention of choosing joy over despair, joy over sadness, joy above all else, right? And the way I get there oftentimes is through gratitude and and through shifting my perspective and reframing whatever situation I might find myself in. So I believe that each of us has agency to choose. We either choose despair or we choose joy. So today, I encourage you to go from that place deep within and choose joy. So guess what? Next week, we're going to be talking about more choices. I'm going to be talking about choosing to bless the world. So be sure to come back for another episode of Choosing a Healthy Spiritual Practice.
2: Hi, and welcome to Getting the Message, where we dive deeper into the themes of today's service. I'm really excited to have two special guests with me today, of which it only took us five to ten minutes of trying to figure out the camera and the audio today, so we are excited to be here with you. Uh, I am so excited to welcome as a special guest today, Deb Roth, who is joining us for a special setup for our message. Would you like to talk about our setup today?
0: Sure. We ha- Deb and I had a chance to talk about our spiritual practices, and we thought, well, why not cover joy today? Because that is a subject that most of us are curious about, especially around this time of the year. And I, I said, uh, why don't I set this up, and then Deb, you could talk about three of your practices. I know you have more than that, um, and 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 go over how those practices cultivate joy in you.
1: I'm excited. I think um, joy is like a, a a thread, a keynote in my life. So you're right, it's hard for me to limit it to three. Three practices, but that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> but you only have
0: seven minutes. So I know. There you
2: go. Well, there's, there's a question for you. Is there a practice that you... Had that just almost made the cut, and as you were considering which three, is there a number four that you'd <laughs> like to share with folks?
1: Oh, that's a good question. So all of my practices, with the exception of one, which I actually already did this morning, so I'm I'm done for my day, um, are are like three or four minutes. You know, anywhere from one minute to you know four or five minutes. Um, probably the the one I was thinking about on the way in this morning is. Um, a little more complex to describe. It's called uh, Positive Intelligence, and it's based on the idea that we all have saboteurs and, and it's got all this neuroscience around it and that when we have any input coming into our lives, our saboteurs, you know, the pleaser, the hypercritical, the, you know, the controller, we, you know, we've all got them, doesn't matter who you are, um, gets hijacked in that direction, and we respond, you know, like that. Versus responding from our sage brain which you can tap into by getting out of your head and doing anything that activates your senses. So I literally, I do these funky things, all kinds of things, throughout the day to get me out of my head and into my body and into my heart. And that's what I love
0: about your spiritual practices, is the fact that it's so embodied and it so gets you out of your head. and. Um, When you were talking, it reminded me of that movie in and out They're coming out with the second version next year, right? Uh, um, In that case, it's the various emotions that we have. But in your case, it sounds like it's different characters. And which character do we pay more attention to? And how do we um, choose that character instead Mm -hmm. of the other ones? Which is why the title of today's sermon was Choose Joy.
1: I love that. I mean, it's true for me, and, and as, a, as a coach, I mean, I'm trained in psychology, I'm a master's in psychology, but when I'm ever referring anybody to therapists, I make sure that it's something that's embodied, and, and there's so many um, types of therapy that are wonderful for, for healing that really make sure that you're not just doing the talk therapy, which is real powerful, mm-hmm. but, but that you're bringing it into your body and through your body, because that's really, if it gets stuck there, all kinds of yucky things
0: happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Isn't that what they call somatic therapy? Exactly. Because yep. you know, according to Bessel van der the body keeps the score. Yeah, right? And yep. so the trauma lives in our bodies. So that's exactly. the only way to release them yep. from to our system. So kinesthetically,
1: somatically, yeah, definitely. Indeed. Yeah. I guess well, we're going to have to do a,
0: a
2: three-person uh, message eventually about embodiment, because I feel like we could,
0: um, we could all really dive into that one there. Oh yeah, you preach about that. I did. I did recently preach about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ember, let me ask you a question. Yeah? (laughs) Do you think there's a difference between joy and happiness? And have you done any research on that recently at all? Uh, Well, actually,
2: I think I probably spent an extraordinary amount of time uh, preparing for Today's time for all ages. Though now that you mentioned Inside Out, I realized that I missed the easiest option. (laughs) Um, So maybe, maybe I can rethink that in the future. Um, Because Inside Out literally has a character named Joy. That would have been an easy, easy option. But instead, I was asking my kids, you know, what what's joy, and like, what's the difference between happiness and joy? I was asking some of my friends. I was watching YouTube videos. Uh, I think, you know, probably at least three hours spent on this time for all ages of just trying to figure out what the difference was between happiness and joy because everyone seemed to have different answers for some it was happiness was like the temporary feeling for some Mm -hmm. happiness was the permanent feeling Mm -hmm. for some joy was the like intense one-time feeling for some joy was like an always present feeling Mm -hmm. so i'm not sure that i reached a decisive conclusion and in fact that's one of the things that I share in my time for all ages, but I, you know, I think to me that the happiness is like the the thing that I came away from is that happiness is based around outcome. That it's about like like I'm happy I caught my bus today. That it was on time. These are things that I'm happy about. But I'm joyful that I get to do work that is really meaningful and that I get to do something that I enjoy for my job. Um, you know. I'm happy when I get paid. I'm <laughs> joyful when I'm doing the work. Right. Um, so I think it's kind of that outcome versus like a joy can be really strong in temporary moments. I think about like when my kids were born, it can be this intense spike of emotion. But joy is also this more like consistent background feeling that is independent of, in, of outcome. Uh, so I'm curious, the both of you, what would, how would you compare joy and happiness?
1: Well, what you just said, I think I, I said at the very beginning that that joy has always been a thread, you know, through through my life, and and it's a word that um, this kind of charge, which is weird, because mm-hmm. it's such a beautiful word, um, but it can be, too, you know, people can think it's too cliche or, um, but for me, I guess I'm in, I'm in the camp, and you're right, I, because there's a lot of science around joy. I mean, I know I always knew there was a lot of science around gratitude when I started studying it. But there's a lot of science around joy and what happens to the body and the brain, all that neuroscience stuff, which I think is so cool. And, and it's kind of divided. But I think for me, I'm kind of in your camp, Amber. I think that um, while joy is a thread, there are also these just exquisite moments. Um, and I also think that joy, I've been, I've been playing with this recently too, having done a joy exercise. I'm actually, you know, I'm sharing it today. Um, around our, our Thanksgiving table, that joy also falls on a spectrum. And we talked about, like I, one phrase that I came up with when I was thinking of, of a moment of joy was something that was actually very painful. And, but it, it became, you know, I could eventually find the gift or opportunity in it. And, and so I, I labeled it poignant joy. You know, so there's like ecstatic joy, whoa, yay, you know, or awe, or, uh, looking at, you know, my newborn grandson, or, and then there's this, oh, uh, that just, you know, hits your heart so deeply kind of joy, painful joy, poignant joy. So that was a long answer, but it's complex. I don't think there's a happiness, joy, clear
0: definition. It is complex, and do you think that that there's a correlation between gratitude and joy?
1: Totally, Yeah. And, and and I often think about. I mean, for me, and I and I, I think of joy for me just because it's been such a such a central part of my life for as long as I can remember. I think of it being a vessel within which lots of other emotions show up, like gratitude, like awe, like wonder, you know, like excitement, um, all of those things, and. But I, I feel like joy, however you look at it, either an umbrella or just some kind of beautiful vessel or container. Um, yeah, I think there's it's, it is, it's a big word. And people, I think, I got kind of scared off when I was looking at it more as an adult, um, thinking I didn't want to be some cliched person that was walking around being Pollyanna all the time, um, because I've been accused of that too. <laughs>
2: Well, that's interesting because one of the YouTube videos that I watched was actually it was a TED Talk, shocker. Most of YouTube, when you search a topic about emotions, comes up with about fifteen TED Talks. Um, but the person came out and just started laughing right away, and um, I felt in my own like gut reaction, even if it was just someone casually watching it, like I'm listening while doing other work, that I'm like, I should just like change this video. Like, what is this one? And then she like immediately talked about that, like. How did you feel in your body or like when I just came out and was laughing for no reason? Like did you want to start laughing? Did you cower away and want to move away? And you know, like we, we sometimes fear joy, especially that we worry it might make us look, you know, too positive, too too out there, too happy.
1: Too superficial. I mean mm. it's sad that, that we have those associations with you know, with the idea of joy.
0: How do you define joy, Reverend Donifer? Well, I talked a little bit about it during my sermon, but it's, uh, for me, an inside job. And I see happiness as all these external factors that y'all just mentioned, the birth of a grandchild or the birth of a child, in your case, and or um, uh, being out in nature and encountering that in some way, right, it brings so much happiness. Um, certainly, I've experienced that. But joy, for me, is more abiding. I guess it's like what you were talking about in terms of the transient versus the permanent. That sometimes happiness could be fleeting, but um, joy, when you cultivate it deep inside of you, it becomes like a wellspring, and you have access to it at any time. And it's a way that you could you you could use joy to reframe your external circumstances. So even if you're having a crappy day, if you've already built um, that sense of joy from deep within, then that crappy day could be transformed into something that's um, a bit perhaps more tolerable. And and again, it's tied into resilience that all of a sudden you could come back out of it a lot quicker than you normally would otherwise. That's why spiritual practices for me are more preventative rather than a reactive kind of thing of, you know, once you start getting into the habit of it, then when you need your something to come out, then it comes out more naturally. You don't have to force it like laughter or something. Right. You know what I mean? I love and it doesn't have idea. to be superficial.
1: I Sorry. Love the, no, no, I'd love the idea of the wellspring, because that's mm-hmm. you know, tapping into the wellspring when you have moments like that. I mean, I think that's a beautiful image, because that, you know, that, that is one of those inner, um, inner places of, of sustenance and, and nurturance. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you both
2: for this joyful conversation. <laughs> See how many joy puns we can fit into today's <laughs> service. Um, but I thank you for this time to sit and reflect together, and
0: thank you for sharing today. Wonderful thank you, to be here. Yes, yeah, thanks for being here. See you next time.